All right, welcome back. It's the deep dive of Avril with me this time around. Avril, I've asked everybody else. I'm going to make you do the same thing. I want you to mm -hmm. describe yourself, um, if given the chance. Act like this is a resume for your first job. Oh, uh, I'll probably describe myself in nicer ways. And oh, I was going to be pretty direct about it. I think that's one thing I am a pretty direct. Uh, I'm a pretty analytical guy, which is why I do what I do. Um, and I guess that's just like, I'm, I'm someone that has always had a, a, a strong interest in broadcast kind of stuff. It's kind of what I mainly studied tertiary education wise. And, uh, I was good at games. I was at least once upon a time good at games. And so kind of combining the two together is how I arrived at casting. So I describe myself as, um, a logical analytical person who can sort of work stuff out quite easily or maybe easier than some others and um yeah who is probably in some ways uh <laughs> kind of geared towards this kind of analytical type work okay that's good that would be a good that would be a good portion on the resume i would say you said you studied this kind of like broadcasting in school did you say that in, yeah, in new zealand i, mean, I, I did yeah, yeah, I did, um, uh, it's like a communications degree in New Zealand for all sorts of broadcast stuff. It's the kind of, it's the kind of, um, course you take to get into like journalism or, uh, other types of media stuff. Like you can work behind camera, you can work in a TV studio kind of deal. Um, yeah, that kind of field, that area. It was that in university or was that, uh, it was, like, yeah. pre-university? Yeah. All right. Cool. And that, how long did you study for? Because I studied for four years. I did a, a gap year as well. Did you do anything like that? Yeah, basically, I like kind of swapped between, I did a, I used to do like a, a business that I wasn't, a business degree I wasn't interested in anymore. So I think all up, I studied like maybe four or five years and kind of, uh, yeah. Well, university was like a really weird time. I feel like I, I, like if I was to do it again, obviously, like everyone, you have this kind of, I wouldn't say regrets, but like you second time around, you feel like you probably know what you're doing first time around. I was like kind of floundering a bit. So there's that. It was fun. I feel like that's everybody like floundering around. That's mm. exactly what I did. I mean, I don't do games programming anymore. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I failed my, well, I didn't fail my gap year, but I uh, did a placement year with uh, my own company and fucked that up. So. I think I said, what would you do second time around then? Would you do the same thing, like communications kind of deal? Or would you do some... I just probably actually... I say second time around, I actually... I'm at the position where I wouldn't want... Hypothetically, I'd, if I was to redo it and I was still like 19, uh, it would just be more about the level of focus and motivation. But I actually wouldn't even go back to uni. I've, I've thought about it a lot. It's like, what I if, if all this went under, would I go back to studying? Yeah. I was like, probably not. I think uh, I'm way past that now. And um, there's other things to be focused on. I mean, there's a whole debate on how much X or Y people really need university or need like this kind of institutional education. It really depends on what you want to do. There's just so many people I know who get out of it and don't even end up using their degrees and just completely do other things. That would have been me anyway. Uh, I don't think I would have really gone into esports had I gone deeper down that pathway, whereas like this is more of what I want to do out of passion. 
So, yeah. Feels like well nowadays there might be even esports degrees. People taking degrees in esports, which would be please I'll don't. So, That'd be I'll that's crazy. Would that be? Do you remember the um? This was what a couple of years ago now. Was it the certification of esports? Did you ever see that? Where you had to answer questions nope. and get a certificate in esports. I remember me, Bren, Josh, and Connor did it on stream once. Yeah, it was. Ridiculous. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Now I remember. Yeah, that. that. Yeah. I I can't even remember what that was all about, but. Any sort of now. that kind of stuff, I thank God because, yeah, any of that kind of stuff, I just think is almost feels like grifting. I I think it's complete oh, trash. Like what what is it even there for? Like, can't learn something that will actually not help you at all. Um, I mean, in some ways, it might help you if you have like zero clue about esports. But I don't know. It all feels like grifting. I saw someone. I think it probably was on Twitter because it's usually where I see stuff. Um, get your news from Twitter, people. Reliable source. Uh, someone's like, got my esports course approved or something. I think it might have been for like a university. Right, type deal. Right. I was like, oh. On one hand, I was like, great, good for you. On the other hand, I'm like, oh no, what is this going to be like? Uh, wincing a little bit like, oh no. If it was a bit weird thinking about like, people taking a course for esports. I mean, if it was in commentary, I'd be like, okay, sure. Like you can definitely like teach commentary. Not but... even in commentary. Because like everything that is useful in esports is just real world experience from elsewhere. You want to work on a team doing marketing, whatever, doing socials. You can, you can learn that elsewhere. There's got nothing to do with it. Well, if you want to work in esports, but it's, it's skills you're bringing from outside of esports, business, economics, all that kind of stuff. Um, you want to be a player, no course outside of like, you know, an esports coach who's really good at the game, teaching who's going to help you there. Um, broadcast wise, you want to do production and you want to, you know, be a creative or whatever. Like, you want to be, uh, you want to hold a camera. Like, oh no, all of the, all those kind of skills you learn outside. Like, you you can do the type of degree that I did that I can teach you that kind of stuff. Journalism as well. It's like all the stuff you do in esports. I feel like none of it is super specific to esports personally you learn everything all the skills you need from other areas so what what is the point of an esports course degree My yeah it position? was like a production course would be more suited to esports than an esports course because then at least you can go into production of esports rather exactly. than like something specific or any production yeah or any production yeah Exactly. If it was a, if it was a little bit weird. Although a lot of the production people that, or not a lot of, a few of the production people that I know, they've not done a degree in it. They just kind of. And that's the other thing. You might not even need a degree. Yeah. You could probably just do it. Yeah, definitely. You, uh, you mentioned before one, one time. This feels like this feels like a repeating subject. One time you were good at video games. Want to elaborate? What video games were you good at? Don't say Tribes Ascend. Don't do it. Team Fortress Two Ascend. Was the game I was really good at. Team Fortress 2 uh, Ascend. Okay. Okay. No, just Team Fortress 2. I'd say it was like the only game I was seriously good at. Um I actually I I played competitively. I was gonna use the word pro, but that wouldn't be accurate. None of us were really pros back then. I think pro gaming wasn't really a thing back then. Everyone just kind of played for fun. Um and bragging rights. I played before Scott, <laughs> I played before Custer, because we we both played in the Australian region. I was just fairly competitive. Like I remember um, at its peak, Australia sent a team to one of the Insomnia events, which is basically oh, yeah. 
yeah. a world land for TF2, the the only ones that existed, um, where you'd go up against guys like Seagull and Banny and um, Pure at the time, where Pure now works at the Overwatch League. Uh, Seagull, huge streamer, and Banny, I think he just still plays TF2. Um, and the Australian team came fourth. It was Immunity. So, yeah, and I had some good friends on that team. Um, and some of them ended up becoming Overwatch players eventually. Uh, so, yeah, I played... How how long would I have played for? Seriously played... I think I picked up TF2 in about 2007. Started competing in 2008. And would have said I was good between... 2010 and oh, it's just so long ago now 13 years ago it's a lifetime maybe 2014 i feel because right. i'm trying to remember what else i did no probably about maybe 2010 or 2013 kind of deal i, I played the top level and i was i was in the mix among the top teams um and i don't think i was ever like in position to be first a lot of times but I was definitely competing with like the top teams. I could I could definitely be at least on the second best team, if not competing for a number one spot. But um, lose the super teams. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was that was that time. And I remember like it was hard to mechanically be good as well because you didn't have any aim labs. You didn't have any sort of you know, training custom games, like even without aim labs and Overwatch, you could just go into some like workshop code and train and that's just so accessible and easy. Did you know have um, MG? That's the thing is MG was the first like quote unquote training, but it wasn't even training. It was just, it was just dueling. It was just yeah, yeah. 1v1 dueling. It was good for scouts. Which, <laughs> it, was, it. it was good for, it was good for every role except probably med, medic. Yeah. Um, you just rock up and do one v one training there, and that's and that's about it. So again, it's not even really tra training; it's it is training, but it's it's one v one dueling for points. Sometimes it would be like its own ladder in there, so it was a pretty cool system. Yeah, um, and it would develop you good like one v one skills. Some a lot of which could translate into like proper six v six gameplay, but obviously there's limits there because there's also team play involved. But it's one of the few ways you could actually get your mechanics improved. But that didn't even MGE wasn't even a thing until you know pretty deep into me playing tf2 um the first time i saw some guy that was like seriously insane at the game he actually spammed like custom dueling servers like when i say custom it's just like i'm gonna load up a game who wants to come play and we'll just spam a bunch of 1v1 duels throughout the day and that's about it and so like it was just like the like, dueling before mge and that's how he got really mechanically it. I was like, damn, this guy's insane. Um, and so, yeah, I practice all, all the different roles. I, professionally, I played Medic. So I, I understand what it's like to be Mercy. Um, and even back then, I think like this is where the sort of strategic mindset comes from. It's like my, my entire framework for how I understand team play strategy um, and all that kind of stuff for, for games comes from my experience leading teams being an igl um figuring all that kind of stuff out and just calling how a team should move where, where we need to go what the objectives are what we need to you know sort of achieve um understanding how the entire flow works and also understanding what the other team's doing as well like being very um perceptive of like how you're understanding the other team's 
objectives of movement and what they are trying to achieve and try to counter that at all times. Um, and getting really good at that, like you can just start beating teams on pure macro. And in TF2, I feel like there wasn't a ton of macro compared to much more complex games now like Overwatch. But even back then, like, you know, understanding map control and, and how you want to move and the speed that you're moving at and positioning that you need to be taking very early and all that kind of stuff was super important. But it's a very highly mechanical skill ceiling game so at the end of the day like i think the, the teams with like really insane aimers and movers were still uh much better in many ways i still think um tf2 is one of the most mechanically difficult games out there that has been out there um when i first played overwatch i actually felt like overwatch dumbed down the mechanics a lot because like it's a, a lot of the things and because you know let's be straight about it overwatch is heavily inspired by tf2 and don't let anyone tell you otherwise it's extremely heavily inspired by tf2 um and you know you can imagine for some guy like me i was playing professionally medic but i was pretty good at the other roles I, i'd say i could probably play soldier at the time at like between the divisions you imagine the top division of like the the best eight teams in the region i could play like a, a soldier role around that kind of level but maybe at the lower end um so I'll play Medic, come to Overwatch, and I was like, oh, there's this Mercy character. And here are the differences between Medic and Mercy in terms of like how much more difficult it is to play Medic. There's no GA, so you don't you don't get to just fly around, especially not on a one second cooldown. Um this, so actually there's no movement. There's no movement at all. You just you simply just move and you're like an averaged average move speed character, uh, as the medic. Um and you don't have another healer on your team so if you take damage you're just kind of either jumping for a health back or slowly regenerating back up very very slowly regenerating back up um and you have like an alt i guess it's called the uber charge but when you die you lose all of it it's just gone you actually just lose the entire thing you're just you start from zero again super punishing if you die um, you also only have 150 health, so it's it's TF2 is also very similar in like the 200 base health, and then everybody else is like health depending on that. A medic only has 150 health, when the average health is probably closer to 200. So I mean, you can definitely die in like two hits, or what? Well, not quite one hit, but like one small hit and then one like large hit would, would down you pretty easily. Um, yeah, you don't have a lot of ways to protect yourself. The gun you have, your you don't your your Glock, is pretty weak. It's just this needle gun, it's syringe, yeah, and it's a yeah, you fire got, syringes. It's kind of like Mercy's pistol, to be honest. Like hmm? same same. It's kind of like Mercy's pistol. I think Mercy's pistol is way easier because this this syringe shooter syringe is sucked. like an it, it it like arcs right. It's got this yeah. arc on it, and um, it fires pretty quickly, but it's just super inaccurate. Like it goes everywhere. Like a, yeah, to try and actually because you have to lead targets on. It's got. Because of the way the projectile works, you can't just aim somebody and hit them. You like if they're moving and they're they're moving yeah, in this game because it's an arena shooter. They're eighty eighty spamming you, or they're like crouching, they're moving and they're jumping. You're not going to hit people because because the, the syringe projectiles just don't have the speed to hit these targets. Um, I don't know. I think Glock is, and they they buff the Glock as well. So the point is, is like if just about everything about the medic is way harder than Mercy. So I come up to watch. I'm like, wow, they've just they've made this character insane and like the difference between the sniper and what i make okay again i understand overwatch is a completely different game but it's just funny like when i try when i try and like 
even this is maybe not a fair comparison but like do this one-to-one it's just i you can start to feel like from my brain how i felt like overwatch was like a dumbed down bf2 it's like oh the sniper character has a hook shot like you can just get away a sniper in tf2 you just die like what someone sneaks up to you 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 have to fight them 1v1 and you die yeah some uh, scout runs up you you're gone um you have no you i guess you could pull out the smg not that effective can't crit with it you can't headshot with it in fact nothing can really headshot in tf2 except for the sniper um and like one specific gun on the spy and i think the sniper rifle was even like harder to use because it would show the red dot so when you aimed at a certain location yep. it would show everybody on the server enemies and allies where you're aiming because a red dot would show up like let's say you're aiming on a door there's a dot on the door you can see this dot on the door so people people know your los um so yeah just a just a hard game to play i think uh and everyone will be like yeah but what about the random weapons like well the competitive scene never used those the competitive scene had a, had a whitelist of only like pre-approved stuff and it was barely anything in the game so it's a very clean almost pure version of the game so yeah that's yes. what i played tf2 well i mean like i think a lot of people start in tf2 at least in oh, on the competitive side of things too oh sorry on the commentary side of things too i just played competitive tf2 scott did Mitch did at one point, you know, like not competitive TF2, I don't think with Mitch, but like still played TF2. Hero yep. shooters were like, dude, TF2 is just ahead of its time. It's uh, kind of wild to kind of think back about how crazy, it birthed like, crazy the hero shooters. big uh, TF2 is. Yeah, it did. I think it, it, really I, did. I think it, basically, it basically inspired all hero shooters. It was, it was the first class-based shooter to like essentially um, have backstory have lore and have like some sort of attachment to specific characters like there's nine classes but they were all they all had these personalities they so all unique different. and and because of that it was like the it was like the, that was the you know the first kind of game i would have considered to be close to a hero shooter than overwatch and other hero shooters other games took that one step beyond afterwards yeah, they really put a lot into the kind of the backstory of a lot of the characters too, which made it quite lovable. I remember watching the Meetthers so many times. Meet the Snipers, Meet the Scout. Obviously, Scout was my favorite yep. class, but so I like played Scout a lot. So, like, Meet the Scout was just so funny to me. Obviously, I was a teenager back then, but like, you know, it's still really funny. You go back and watch it, it's still like, it's kind of timeless comedy. Well, yeah, they, they do the shorts as well. And then, you know, I, I, I yeah. feel like to some degree, Overwatch's shorts kind of inspired by that not on a one-to-one -one level but like hey shorts was obviously a thing that kind of took off with tf2 our game is like kind of tf2 you know shorts we we can do better shorts because like blizzard cinematics are like yeah, s tier like, so unreal, yeah yeah i mean it's just the shorts in for overwatch are like some of the best bits of gaming media out there like people yep. love the shorts like the kiriko short for me when we saw that for the first time i was like oh my god god like i love the cyberpunky kind of feel to a lot of uh a lot of gaming Same. and stuff like that i love like cyberpunk oh. and shit and kiriko felt like a little bit like that i don't know especially with like the music and everything mm. and it was like man this is this is fucking awesome and i don't normally get like super hyped about trailers or anything i'm just uh apart from like cyberpunk but like you know i was like god damn this is sick and then yeah it definitely brought out a different emotion than i did when i watched like the tf2 shorts for sure just because of like you said blizzard s tier production quality on the short cinematics like what of warcraft shorts and cinematics too are just godlike 
compared them, to yeah. um to compared to like other franchises like there's definitely huge ones out there. like god of war for example is just like kind of a masterpiece in like gaming and that has like you know really good cinematics too but like blizzard just does it to to a to a ridiculous level um when you so you obviously you competed in um tf2 and and whatnot growing up you moved to australia recently did you play yeah. in, like the aussie leagues i assume i assume like the kiwi leagues and the aussie leagues were like pretty it's all one it's all one parcel yeah yeah that's what yeah. i thought not enough people otherwise i'd imagine no i mean there's probably still not enough people even with that combined i mean just ping wise it's about all you can really do what's the ping um, from uh new zealand to australia oh like nothing dude it's barely noticeable five ten difference maybe i don't know um okay so ah oh, maybe more than that but like yeah like you wouldn't it'd be the difference between like 10 or 40 ping it's it's all it's all close enough yeah so yeah you made the uh big move to oz well i wouldn't say recent it's not recently at this point but you're in australia a couple now. Of years now actually yeah it's been a, yeah a couple of years i was always curious is it it's pretty easy for a kiwi to get a visa right uh, australia to australia uh you don't even need one you don't even need one legally oh, yeah, like okay. legally you're a, you're a resident of both interesting oh, yeah so i did wonder if you're from australia you can just freely go to new zealand do what you want and and if you're from new zealand you go to australia and do what you want it's almost like well i guess not with the uk now full open EU, borders but yeah it feels it definitely felt like that in the past with a lot of European countries in the UK, like a lot of them are just like, mm. yeah, you can come over and work. Like, it's not a problem, you know, like yeah. it's, it's pretty easy. So that's, that's pretty sick. I mean, obviously competing, going into like commentary and stuff. When did you push first into commentary? Like what was your first casting gig? Let's, uh, let's talk about that. Yeah, I, I, the one, I don't remember the exact first one because it's too long ago, but the, the earliest VOD I ever found was in 2011. So I just say 2011. But it might legitimately it might have been in 2010 but i can't remember because i can't verify that i'm not going to bother saying it um because i you know i'm just making stuff up at that point but the earliest vault i could remember finding was from 2011 and back then um twitch was really new like really new um and there were dudes kind of streaming the the games on their twitch channel at the time and casting from there because before then Mitchell, no, uh, you'd have to be one of the uh, one of the OGs like like me or Mitch from way back in the day to to remember this. But like, you know, you used to have those Winamp casting. Uh, you yep. know, it, it was you know it, what the pre Twitch, pre YouTube, pre Twitch. Like, what was it? You were casting through you know the Winamps and stuff like that, and recordingly, you'd have to like sync up. Um, well, you wouldn't have to sync up, but like basically, you're you're listening to this audio stream while watching from an stv in game stv is kind of like this server you join in game a, a spectator server in game right so it's kind of like the dota 2 thing now where you can just like watch the watch the game uh the competition the esport the game from within the game client so back in tf2 days i'm pretty sure you could do this in counter-strike as well there'd be a thing called stv where basically in the lobby there would be the spectator which i think uh, you have to excuse my memory of the technology here it was basically like a bot that joined the lobby and then through the bot the bot um provided an stv server which then like 
however many spectators who just wanted to watch the game would join because again there was no twitch no youtube so how do you watch these competitive games right as far as esports goes and early on in esports you kind of have to have <clears throat> some proof and you get the proof by having demos which is number one or better yet live spectators that can actually see the thing um because otherwise it's just like you know there's not there's competition but the competition is just like all word of mouth who beat who um oh, so yeah. yeah you you'd you listen to the casting which is an audio stream only you'd go into the stv and you'd watch and that's it and that's how was, that's how esports was back then was that your first um, casting gig then doing the tft oh yeah yeah um and it was it was like 2011 um for this guy's twitch channel and i was basically because I was, I was still playing competing at the time and the guy asked me um already knew me we, i guess we were still we, we, we were friends and um there's like obviously you're, you're a good player you know something about the game do you want to come and cast with me because he was just kind of solo casting there weren't any sort of like organized ways to cast everyone's just kind of stabbing in the dark and figuring it out this guy was solo casting he asked me to just join him and see what happens see how, how it goes so i did and um you know i think most mitch will say this as well it's like back then when you were just a player your 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 casting is just trash talking to other players like i'm kind of talking about That's the game now i'm mean? kind of like i'm kind of talking <laughs> yeah, i guess no but like trash talking to the other players from the perspective of a player um do you know what i mean like that kind of that kind of style it's like bringing bringing the in-game in-game you know all chat into into a broadcast almost kind yeah, of deal. yeah for sure um so yeah, there was a bunch of that kind of stuff going on and pretty basics i obviously not good casting uh hopefully that footage of me will never be found because it's, it's it's obviously it's just awful yeah. you know I, I i cringe listening to stuff like that like i think anybody who's a caster you listen to your super early stuff and you just cringe it's just like yeah. oh my god do you ever get what, the feeling you're still the same I, I always find that I'm like, have I improved ever? Like, am I just the same as I was like six I've years ago? I've definitely improved. Yeah. Considering I, I, how... I go back and I'm like, oh, yes, I have. Holy right, moly. Even stuff from like three, four years ago, I feel like is much worse than stuff I'm doing, you yeah. know, last year that I, mean, I will be doing this year, hopefully. It's gradual improvement, right? And that's the thing you don't see is the gradual improvement. And compare that to like drastic improvement, like, oh my God, like straight from you know you can't be a shitter and then straight to like god mode you know like you have to gradually improve but you don't you personally don't see that like other people will from like oh i watched you two years ago and now i'm watching you now you're like way you better, see it etc you see it if you if you just if you watch an old body yourself you're like ooh, made a lot of mistakes on that one rough. or yeah, you know yeah. you're just like that's a bit rough that doesn't sound that good then you'll notice it uh but i didn't but you know that's not that's the that's the first cast it but i wouldn't say that's when i started casting yeah. that makes sense like i didn't start like properly casting um so that when, was just the first th that's a question then so when was your first paid gig and what was it if oh, i paid would, would you... was in 2016 right but i did stuff before then like i i eventually because dota 2 came out that was my first uh game i quote-unquote took seriously in terms of casting where i was like i might do casting for this game instead of playing because i actually wanted to play first and i was like reasonable i was good i wasn't like elite i was i was definitely not as good as i was in tf2 in dota sure that's for sure um but also 
I kind of got annoyed with Dota eventually. I don't even think there was ranked at, at, at the first, because I, I was seriously playing during like the beta and during like the T, TI1 sort of era before even TI2. Uh, and I remember the reason I swapped, I, I actually swapped Dota because I was a disgruntled TF2 player. I didn't even swap because like, oh, I love Dota, I love MOBAs. That wasn't even the reason. The reason was because Valve did not support TF2 competitively. And it was just like a jokey, casual game. The, the game only got more casual as the years went on. Sound like a familiar game, Jules? We'll get into that later. Um, and there was just it was just got such little competitive support from the developer. I mean, Valve classically don't give a flying fuck about their games. Um, to some degree, I got to give them a little bit of credit here. But yeah, T2 was just never, you know, and I remember at the time, like the... The TF2 people spoke to like Robin Walker and stuff like that. Well, they were into, they were in communication with the devs and talking about what kind of dev support they could be. You know, could could, could there be esports because this could take off and it was a fairly popular game and they just it just never really went anywhere. And so Dota came out, and you know what happened. So here's the history on Dota 2. When Dota 2 came out, it was announced alongside this event called the International. Everyone knows the International now tens of millions of dollar price pool first international was a one million dollar price pool i think it was one million for first place the overall price pool is several million because you got to split the the rest of it but you come in first place navi won you get a million bucks at the time that was unprecedented now it's like i feel like most top tournaments if you're not offering seven figures it doesn't even feel like a top tournament back then unheard of the biggest price pools before the international for one mil was like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. i remember yeah, might have been the highest price pool I've ever seen. And that was for like Counter-Strike, first place, world final, Counter-Strike 1.6 at the time, I think it was, and 50K split, uh, 50K for each player, five players, 50K each, 250 for the entire price. And that was humongous. I used to think like, whoa, ooh, 250, damn, son. Um, and that didn't even cover a developer. I think that came from the TO and their sponsors or whatever. So Valve come out with this one mil, uh, tournament for first place for dota and then you see all this competitive support that dota's getting you see all this esports support they're getting even from the developer side because remember ti is like you know very heavily valve supported sure like you know from a production standpoint pgl whoever takes care of it but like uh, valve are very involved with that you even look at like the compendium and stuff like that like they they're making content in-game content which supports the esports and directly funds esports like how do they do this crowdfunding thing where everyone buys the compendium and they level up they pay money whatever and then 25 percent goes towards the price but that's the entire model uh, so the point is i see all of this and i'm fuming i'm i'm furious like you are joking you are absolutely shitting me valve because you have given you've given us nothing you've given the tf2 people nothing not a not a lick i'm i'm like oliver i'm i'm the is it oliver twist the, oliver the, twist can I have some more sir yeah yeah, I can have some more. I'm like, I'm like, uh, it's Christmas. It's Christmas, and I'm on the outside, cold. You know, don't worry, we got hats like, on the way, baby. Clear the, clear the ice off the windows and whatever the snow off the windows, and just trying to look in to see all these kids enjoying their presents and meals. And I'm like, this cold, starving child on the outside playing TF2. So I'm like, screw it, can't beat him. Join him. I started playing Dota 2. Didn't even, wasn't even a big MOBA fan. Just did it because that was the game that Valve supported. So whatever, I'll do it um uh, then i but i learned to love the game i actually really enjoyed the game and got reasonably good at it but not like super good um and then started casting 
when I realized I was both not going to probably make this as a game that I could compete in, but also I felt like I enjoyed casting to some degree. It wasn't like a, a full one or two year gap. Like I cast a one time at TF2, then I went to Dota 2. It was more like I casted a few times in TF2 as like a guest, like a, like a, you know, uh, player guest on a, on a cast. And then, so I got a little bit of a knack for it. I felt like, yeah, this is something I could probably do. I know games, you know, like I can talk about games. I'm strategic. I, I know analysis. And so I went to Dota and started taking it seriously. And I think I peaked in Dota on this tournament called WPC Ace, which had actual professional Chinese teams. And back then you would cast the Dota games from within the client. Um, so it's not like I think most broadcasting now where you receive a clean feed, you're in vMix, whatever, or some other program. Back then I, you were like literally in the lobby. So I'm in the lobby with this guy and I'm casting over like two reasonably top tier professional teams i remember one of the teams was tong fu which in the early ti days was like a serious contender team and i remember freaking out i was like no way no effing way this the, these i'm i'm in the same lobby live casting a game with actual top tier professionals global top tier professionals in my lobby this is unreal i had to like reality check myself i think that was the first <laughs> time i was like whoa Woo! and that uh and that was a that was uh, maybe my favorite Dota cast ever because it was the highest level Dota cast ever did. I was just so impressed and so bewildered by how high level the gameplay was. And I knew it was because I'd watched plenty of games anyway, but like being there and casting it was something else that, that really, I think that was a moment. The reason why I always go back to that moment and always remember it quite fondly was because I think that's when it sparked the real drive for casting. It was like, okay, I got that adrenaline rush and now for the rest of my life, that's kind of what I'm looking for where like I get to be in the top tier lobby casting the best games with the best players um you know having the best performance and best gameplay and whatever like that's nothing else matched that in esports for me which is uh where casting took off did you get paid for that gig hell no <laughs> i didn't get paid hell for 2016 no. so what was your hell so what no. was the <laughs> what was the 2016 gig you got paid for then that overwatch <laughs> right so in 20, what, May of 2016, Overwatch came out. A well-known game that we all well know Overwatch came out. Um, and so in 2016, I got paid to do a Call of Duty broadcast, not an Overwatch oh, broadcast. Oh, <laughs> wait, what was in 2016? Was that Advanced Infinite Warfare? Warfare? Oh, Infinite, Infinite. Warfare. Yeah, November, okay. November, Infinite War. I chose the right card, right? In hindsight, I think most Terrible people would agree it's actually a game. fine card. No, 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 no. I think, I think it's I an think okay. I think in hindsight... It probably is okay, but I did not like it's, the war. It was stuff, fine. Bro. It was fine. I think it came out, but the problem is it came out at a time where people were, 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 were sick of the advanced aerial movement kind of stuff. People were yep. sick of jetpacks. That oh, was uh, a problem. Yeah. But like fundamentally in a vacuum, I think it's a fine game. The game is fine. Like it's a good game in a vacuum. Um, advanced because Warfare I'll tell you was what, the first one, I'm pretty sure, that had the jetpacks and stuff. Right. And they also had the Black Ops. No, Black Ops. 3, yeah, Black. I, no, you're right. You're right. No, you I were right. I was trying to think. Maybe Black Ops Two had it. Selling that game. No, Black Ops Two did not have it because I played that game. Okay. I was like top rated in Black Ops Two, like in the on ladder at least. I was like masters on ladder. Um, on, right. On 360, and that had like that was like my favorite game of all time, like competitively, or like one of my favorite games. I think, like, I think a lot of people say Black Ops Three is one of, if not the best cards. Certainly I did competitively, not play it's Black Ops Three. 
which is crazy. Actually, um, was, it actually was tight. I remember. Um, really? Because I gave to... up after Ghosts, bro. I played Go COD Ghosts. Huh. I was like, this game is the worst game they've ever released. Like that game True. sucked. The hit reg actually didn't sucked. Play the lag, or not the lag, or like I guess it counts on a hit reg. It blew. You get killed around a corner so many times. Like the way. Dude, the, there was obviously, there's normally like one gun that's super OP, but coming from Black Ops 2, which had a few good guns, like right. you'd play the burst rifle. I forget, I'm going to forget the names. I need to ask Ma Matthew Morello, who played in Black Ops 2, but you got the burst rifle, which was really good. You had the uh, Scorpion, uh, the SMG, and then you'd run like AR SMG. You could run Sniper if you really wanted to on ladder, but um, yeah, on Ghost just blue dude what a shit game that was the first that was the first call of duty that i did not buy that my friends uh basically told me not to get they're like don't bother waste yeah. of time because from oh, yeah. i didn't get so okay i also did not get cod one two or three but from cod four onwards i, mean, I got all the dude, cod, COD games four was like the, the base you know what i mean like that was the i tried playing that competitively a little bit that's actually where uber comes from um yeah that was his like yeah yeah pc pro yeah. mod pc I didn't play it until um, later on Pro Mod. I played on Xbox mainly. Yeah. I got farmed. I was not good at COD Pro Mod. I got destroyed. Yeah, I was like on a B team for like a, for like a... I, I, I wasn't even on the A team. I was on the B team for a squad. And uh, no, I just was not good enough, sadly. Not my type of game. Like the arena shooters was, was more of my forte. Whereas like yeah. the... I, I hesitate to call it tactical shooter, but it's still way more tactical than an arena shooter. COD, COD is like a more... Feels a bit more like a run and gun game. It's definitely not Counter Strike, but you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah. I did Advanced Warfare, Bridges not Advanced Warfare, Infinite Warfare. Right, and that was for the who? other ESL. No, that was for um a that was for the New Zealand based esports TO called Let's Play Live, who currently run uh, the Valorant circuit in OCE. Oh wow, they're still going. That was their second ever event. Sick. That was their second ever event. And I remember, I, do I even remember how much I got paid? I was going to ask you, what's the day rate on that? I'm very, I'm very oh, curious. Dude, unbelievably low. But yeah. like... Um, I mean, first gig, I right? I can't like... even remember. I, I, I think my... I'm pretty sure like the invoice is there somewhere. Yeah. But safe to say at the time for like a per hour rate, you're like, well, this is pretty this beats this beats flipping a burger do you know what i mean it was like it was like sure. you compare it to that you're like wow this is better than like doing retail or something on a per hour basis so you're like well this is a huge win then because you had nothing to compare it to to be fair it's not like they were trying to screw me i say it's low it's low by today's standards but at the time in 2016 it's not like they didn't know better i didn't know better we just like this seems fair you know these are these are people getting to esports from outside of esports non-endemics right um it's also not like um, league of legends you know so well, i didn't the game didn't matter the, it, the, the, that that part didn't even enter the equation it was simply like you're doing a job what is it worth per hour yeah blah 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 so and, what what would your estimate be off the top of your head was it like could you do it in usd i obviously it would be like in kiwi oh, dollars right too hard like because mine was 250 <sighs> euros in 2016 for a day for like yeah it was like two bo3s or something no, like four. No, not two BO3s. It'd be like four BO3s or five BO3s or something. Yeah, of like this is a mobile game though, Mobile Legends, which isn't uh, might be renamed, but the game itself is gone. The game I casted is gone. Um, you actually got me looking through. I got you for hunting. 
got your I got, I go, I'm going hunting at the moment. Yeah, I, I can't imagine it was, you know, like you said, it wasn't near like a grand or anything, right? Like you're not getting a lot of money. I don't, if I had to guess, it's probably the same as me, like probably like uh, okay. 200 bucks, right? It was $400 for a week. Ooh. I'm trying to remember oh, how many... week. But I'm trying to remember how many broadcasts I did in that week. So it was 400 per week for seven weeks. How many, which is not a bad season, uh, but I'm trying to remember how many broadcasts I do per week. Was it two or three days? I really can't remember. Okay, we'll take the baseline my, then. We'll say my, my dollars a day. Or like, a hundred, sorry, 200 bucks a day then. What, Kiwi dollars, right? Yeah. Uh, I well, mean, you could convert it over, but it, but it, but in terms of like l local currency cost of living, it's it's you can just imagine it's roughly similar. I mean, yeah, it's obviously sounds way less if you convert it over to US, but for sure, I'm not paying US money to live in New Zealand either. So yeah, so it's That's roughly about two hundred a broadcast, roughly. Okay, okay, yeah, that's fair. I mean. For your first gig, it being like a COD game too, right? I think. That seems pretty reasonable. It's not too far out there, especially for the time as well. Funny story. That bad. The, the, so obviously, here's, here's a funny story about the, the people I worked with in terms of like how boomerish they were. And I don't, I don't mean that as a slight against them. It's just, it's just for the sake of the funny story. But it's like, obviously, i got to play the game. The game was just coming out. So they, they wanted to do Black Ops 3, by the way. And I said, no, you don't want to do Black Ops 3. Um which sounds stupid to people because Black Ops 3 was a better game, but hindsight 2020. Um, the reason you don't want to do it is because the new game is about to come out. If you want to do Call of Duty, you want to do the new game yeah. because the timing of the tournament, the timing of the this league, whatever, the seven-week thing they're doing was going to be post-launch of the new game. Or I think oh, it was close enough to the post-launch. I was like, it was close enough to the post-launch. I was like, well, you might as well do it post-launch with the new game. So I convinced them to do it on the new game. Um, assuming it'd be a really good Call of Duty, who I still think it was a fine Call of Duty. And so we did that. And obviously, because it's new, I'm like, well, can I get a copy of the game? Can you guys get me a copy of the game as, as part of, like, you know, the expense of the whole thing? And they're like, all right, sure. And so they go through their supply or whatever chain they have, and they get me a copy of the game. And I'm like, don't bother yeah. giving me the physical... You don't need to give me the physical copy. I just need the code. So I just need, like, the code I can put into Steam. Right. So you look at that. I told them where to look to find the code and send me that. And they're like, so how are you going to install the game then? I'm like, well, I'm going to download it. And they're like, wasn't well, that going to take you forever? I'm like, no, I can do that in like an hour. And they're like, they blew their minds. Because these are, these, are, these are older dudes. These are older dudes and they're like 40 plus or whatever. And the, the idea of like downloading an entire game through the internet blew their minds. Like they're just like, they were just Damn. bewildered. Like, what do you, what do you mean you don't need the disc? What do you mean you don't, you're not going to install this? Like what? Like they couldn't, they, in their mind, they couldn't get around that. And I, I had pretty fast internet at the time um, for, for standards back in those days. And yeah, they just like, they just didn't understand at all. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> they, like their, their minds are like how they download a game. Technology. How they yeah, thought bro, technology like, and the internet worked is just so far behind. We've been downloading games forever. Like, what do you mean? Um, huh? What's going on? I actually did play-by-play play for that, by the way. Well, Call oh, did you? I didn't not even... Uh, I did. It was bad. Even it was bad. Oh, yeah. Huh? I imagine. Well, like, come on. Like, your first paid gig is a get. It's like a COD game. Like, come on. It's not going to be... It's not going to be good. I look back at my Mobile Legends stuff and I'm like, what the hell was I saying? Like, I knew the game and, like, I knew the characters in the game. I knew the abilities and stuff, but, like... I didn't like 
dude, I didn't have to play with play. Are you serious? I just got told you're going to play with play. I'm like, okay. Sounds good. I like to be that guy. I want to be dope. Well, I wasn't originally <laughs> going to play by play, but then I ended up doing play by play. Here's another oh, fun fact. Here's another I fun fact. I, I, I was already casting with Pixie at the time doing Arthstone. I was going to, he was going to be my play play. I was going to do the color, but then um, he had a falling out with the TO and he basically got booted off the broadcast. Pixie did. What? And so the, I what, replaced the I re one? <clears throat> No, the Call of Duty oh, broadcast. We were both one. supposed oh. to be on it. Um, cause he had worked on the League of Legends one prior and I did the right. second one, which is the Call of Duty one. Cause I was the FPS guy, but he was meant to be the playable play. He got, he got removed from broadcast cause they, they had a falling out and I ended up being the playable play and they got another guy to pair with me, but because he was very inexperienced at casting, it was like, well, he can't be the playable play. That wouldn't make sense. So oh he ended up being the color. And so that's just how, that's how it came, went down. So I wasn't even, it wasn't even like, oh yeah, I'm going to come in. I'm going to be Mr. Playboy. I, I, it wasn't even really my choice. It's just how right. it ended up being. That's ridiculous. I mean, that's fair. I mean, to be fair back then, even with me, it's just like, well, I'm lucky. I guess I had like a permanent color caster to cast with always, regardless of the game, they'd always color and I'd always play yeah. that play. So I'm kind of lucky, but you just kind of filled the shoes of whatever was kind of needed at that point. It wasn't like, yeah. eh, I'm just going to do this, you know, like, to be fair, my first League of Legends broadcasts, I'm doing both color. Well, that's what I fucking do now, to be fair, like play by play and color and Overwatch, because I just like talking about the game, right? But like, I, I definitely did color as well as like play by play. I'm sorry, you're League saying you're a hyperflex? I would say I'm a hyperflex. I did a whole year of color casting. Let's start a Reddit three of us. Is Jaws a hyperflex? I've done desk. I've done a whole year of color casting in the Overwatch League, and I've done play play. I'm mainly a play play, but... Although some people don't know what those words mean. And, you know, well, we've already explained that now, but like you should know if you don't know. But, um, you can Google it. Yeah, you can Google Use it. Use your fingers. Fine. It's fine. Um, let's, let's move on to current day then, because uh, yep. we talked about like how you kind of came up. I'm curious. Now, obviously, we're going into our fourth year. Uh, sorry, not fourth year. Sixth it's, year. Uh, the sixth year. I'm speaking about my fourth year, but it'll be your third yep. year of uh, the yep. Overwatch League, my fourth. Wow. Um, obviously, if we get invited back, just gonna like, <gasps> there, there's a there's a, there's a a little asterisk there. If me and Avril get asked back, then, uh, you know, it will be our fourth and third year. There we go. Um, Obviously, the China situation went down recently. Like, I honestly just want your thoughts on that because the China situation is ridiculous. Like, the publishing deal in China falling through, like, with NetEase and then NetEase, like, owning a stake in one of the teams, like, how are you viewing this situation currently? Um, I think because I feel you're much more in tune, especially with the Chinese community, because you can you can well, read like Chinese, like Mandarin. So I can't read Chinese. I can speak and okay, understand you can, it, but I can't read it. But you're you're still way more in tune, I'd say. I guess with uh with that side of like the game in the world than like most other people, I'd say. What was the date? Also. What was the date on the thing again? Because it should be now, right? Because this is we're mid January, and I think the uh, end of the publishing is around now. Is that correct? I can't remember. I'd have to check. So, yeah, it should be happening pretty soon. I mean, what we do know. Oh, for the viewers is... out there, by the way, I'm just gonna caveat this. This is recorded on the 16th of January. Uh, I'm just gonna put that out there. This episode won't be live though. Yeah. For a cup for like a few weeks. So. Just 16th gonna put of January. Out. Yep. 16th of 2024. January. 2024. Yep. when we recorded this 2023 2023 2025 2025 this. so we know that sparker obviously they just got ray they brought him back because obviously he's got to come in for every even season he only he doesn't play the odd seasons only comes in on the even seasons 
Um, he's about to assemble the Shy Leave, like basically fantasy draft DPS duo. Um, and there was a rumor, I'm going to take this with a grain of salt because these things usually are just rumors, that Spark aren't working with a lot of money this year, which makes a lot of sense because I assume the Chinese teams are not going to be heavily investing to Al this year. Um, but they are going to do something. So they ever, we, we basically know they, everyone's doing something. Obviously, there's been, I think, a lot of hyperbole and people freaking out about the China situation. It's bad, but it's not like... It's not like the East Division is just deleted. It's not like the Chinese teams are just deleted and they're just gone. I mean, there's still going to be a league. They're still going to compete. There's still going to be teams. There's still going to be a season. So that's all going to go forward. Um... What kind of funding they receive is just going to be the big difference. Like, Profit just got re-signed to Seoul, yep. but I have to imagine that his salary is going to be a lot lower than it used to be. I, yeah, I, I mean, I know, I at least have a very, very somewhat precise rough idea of what his salary previously was on Seoul. Pretty, pretty fucking high. Uh, whereas this time around, I don't think it will be. I think Seoul have, have definitely looked to, obviously, you look at the, all the things they've been publicly saying, they're looking to cut down on their expenses by a reasonable amount as well, as are most teams. I do want to say one thing about the whole NetEase deal situation. I think a lot of people are assuming that the teams there are, are trying to cut down and trying to like go budget because of that. And I think there is some impact, especially if you are one of the Chinese teams. But I will say that... I have it on pretty good authority that teams from the Eastern region were looking to cut down anyway. Because I had already known about some roster rumors and potential moves and even some potential money moves in terms of like what the roster moves could have been worth before the NetE stuff was even announced. And the teams didn't know about it either. That was like a surprise and shock for the teams right. in the East, the, right. the NetEase publishing deal stuff. So what I'm basically saying is like, yeah, like teams will probably use the NetEase deal to either further justify or use it as an excuse to say we're going to cut down. But a lot of them were cutting down anyway. Even if the net, even if there was no publishing thing going on with NetEase, and we even if that didn't go, even if that didn't blow up, and we continue with NetEase as a publisher, I'm saying that those teams, a large number of those teams, probably would have gone budget anyway. Uh, maybe. Maybe the Chinese teams would have held on a bit longer. Maybe the Hangzhou Spark would have invested a little bit more. But um, yeah, that the deal impacts the Chinese teams way more than the other teams. Yeah. Do you think it's going to have a, a knock-on effect then later down the line uh, for the Chinese teams? Because everything does seem still up in the air. It's very unlikely that we hear anything, um, at least not before the league starts. I feel like we're going to hear stuff a day before the league starts, you know. Huh. Um do you think that's gonna? Do you think it's gonna have a knock-on impact for the the rest of the league? Because I think at this point, it already has. Everybody's it already been has wishing that the East and the West would just kind of combine and you make one super region again. <laughs> no, no. People say that, but then somebody loses. Which time zone loses? Like, do you know who's saying they want the regions combined or the NA people? Yeah, that's true. The EU and Asian people aren't saying it because. They know they'll be the losers time zone wise. Um, beyond that as well, it's like it's not easy to put everyone together. Where are you going to put them? This is such like I don't know, such a like 
what's the right term? I was going to call it a fantasy. It is a bit of a fantasy. But it's just unrealistic. Like, logistically, completely unrealistic. There's no Blizzard Arena anymore. Who's paying for that, by the way? Who would who would pay for that if we were to bring it back? Everyone would say, well, Blizzard should pay for it. It's like, that's a massive cost for Blizzard, for the broadcast. Um, there's no centralized venue. And getting all the visas, and by the way, a lot of housing and a lot of logistics for the teams. Who's paying for the teams to all be in one location again? The teams would have to pay for that. The teams are not that they probably get all the big mansions like they did in season one, but they got to do something. They got to house the teams somewhere. They got to get all these P1 visas, especially with the Chinese teams. Some of them might be difficult to get for player wise. Um, okay, COVID is mostly like a forgotten thing now, especially in the US. Uh, but in other places of the world, it's it's a little bit more. I think you know we just went to Korea not that long ago. Uh, I, I would say it's like not extreme there, but it's still people still wary of it. And then China, China is still like actual lockdowns and stuff. So depending on where you are, like COVID either completely doesn't exist or it's still like a huge thing. Um, I just think it's like logistically not doable to have the entire league in one place again. Nor do I think that would actually make it a good product because. Um, you're just not serving the fan bases of particular regions by combining all together. One fan base wins big time and everyone else loses big time is my right. position on that. Yeah, I think it's a, definitely a reasonable take. It's not fair on the kind of other regions. To be fair, EU got rolled as well by Watch League for the last couple of years or like the first yep. two years because of time zones and stuff. I remember being in Ukraine with Trid. Me and Trid just hanging. And it's like, do you want to show Watch League? And it's like, yeah, we kind of can't because it's like too late at night, especially in Ukraine yep. too, which was eastern europe that's not yeah. even like the uk which is like you could probably watch the league if you stayed up a little bit but eastern europe is even later for us yeah it's a it's a tough one i think obviously going into this year there's always going to be off season is pretty tough for like casters in general like across the board not even no watch like league of legends like rainbow six like name any other esport basically and it's there's a lot of like question marks right you get told one thing maybe that thing happens maybe something else happens um i always kind of it's always in the forefront of my mind of like, what happens if oh. I don't cast anymore? What happens if I do something else? And I wanted to know your kind of thought process on that. I want to know what would you do? What would you pivot to um, if you weren't able to cast or like you, even if you didn't want to anymore, what is something that you'd go into? Yeah. Um, I would probably see if there's other things in esports I could do in the interim. Um, but if I was to leave esports entirely, I think there's a bit of a far-fetched dream I have of like, I don't know, getting into my own business and, and starting something up and just kind of like trying to be a bit of an entrepreneur about it. I just think like, the one thing, and, and that's why, like, even now, that, it's something I think about while in esports, because the one thing that I have as a benefit now is that as a caster, uh, if you're working on at least, like, a good broadcast, you can get paid a full-time salary while only working about six months out of the year. So you have a lot of free time. Um, ideally, we, we work more than six months out of the year because, like, that's just way too long of an off-season. So we'd like the off-season to be shorter, but because there's so much time... You know, you got to figure out some stuff to do in the time. I could pick up more casting. I think I'm at the stage where I don't know if I necessarily want to heavily move into other games. I'll, I'll never say never. Like, 
um it's always on the table but like yeah i think for me i'd i'd i'm in the position where i'm ex i'd rather explore other potential revenue streams and other ways to you know find an income outside of esports because the one way to protect yourself from esports is to or to be safe from having an income outside of esports for example i think um you remember des there's a chew who now yeah, does course, yeah yeah it was still i guys got it figured friends. out i think he's living the dream because what he's basically doing yeah. is he has his own company he obviously has you know plenty of money coming outside coming in from outside of esports he doesn't have to worry about whether he has a job every year because he's yeah. fine he could leave and he, he can literally leave esports and still be he, extremely well off yeah. you can just do esports for fun i mean that's i think that's, that's what the real dream you just you you actually have enough money coming out in from out from other sources outside of esports yeah and then you can just do esports for, for fun where you get to have all the the great stuff that comes along with working on a tier one broadcast while not having to worry about your livelihood every single year take away imagine taking away all the stress about worrying about your livelihood how much better how much yeah how much better more comfortable would your life be like way 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 better right so that's yeah. the position that i think of that i think unfortunately we all got to be in because as much as i love esports the, the biggest problem i have and that i think everyone else has spe spe preaching to the choir here is that it's just super unstable and that's something you know we all have to it's, it's a bitter pill we have to swallow i mean when you look at the lcs being you know basically downgraded and downsized budgets being cut people being let go you're like damn dude like that was a flagship broadcast in the esports industry if lcs can get plundered nobody's safe nothing's safe right i mean for context few years back i will add um the lcs moved to a weekday slot rather than a weekend which it kind of always was um to make room uh for valorant is what is happening um at least that's all they've kind of tweeted out and they've said a weekday like, day we spot to... as well yeah it, it will broadcast yes. while people are at work and at school Reminds me of Overwatch League in like Thursday and Fridays, you know, when we did four days. And while weeks. that's happening, while it's broadcasting on a weekday, like that, people think, well, what's wrong with that? It's like, first of all, you're, you're definitely, your viewership's going to go way down. Viewership else for the LCS has already been a problem, especially in the last two years. Now it's about to go way down because you've got to get far less people watching because they're at work and school. Um, beyond that as well, they're just downsizing the whole broadcast, the whole league, all like we've talked about salaries being market corrected for LCS. Well, probably a good thing because those teams can't afford... You hear the rumors about the million dollar million salaries. Dollar You're like, Jesus yeah. Christ, is no way. No team in any esports should be paying a million dollars for a player. I know players are not going to like me for saying that, but be reasonable here. It's first of all, most of you guys are not worth a million dollars. You do not bring a million dollars worth of value to the team. Let's be real. You can admit that with your two thousand followers on Twitter, you ain't bringing shit to the table. I'm sorry, um, but beyond that as well, like. It's just not affordable for the teams. If you want esports to be a sustainable thing on its own that can stand on its own, you know, players can't be like rinsing these teams for millions of bucks when these teams just like lose so much money that esports is just not a viable venture for them. I mean, you you hear this from um, team owners where like the the joke is you lose you you lose you gain all your money on content creators and then lose all of it on esports that's the joke um so yeah it's i'm i think the the salaries correcting is good and that's partially why salaries are being corrected in overwatch as well most of them are heading downwards because even paying 
dudes on 300 400 200 whatever k feels a little awkward when the teams are not getting anywhere near that level of return for that player and the problem for the overwatch league players as well is like you don't even have huge personalities um like we don't have a scump uh the closest we've had is like super and xqc but they're both retired now seagull retired it's funny they when they retire they become really big i would argue super was already pretty big on his way to retirement was, but that's a different yeah, story. No, super was the face um, of the league you'd say but now that super's gone it's like what do we really have you know who's 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 left you have dante and space for probably the next biggest two yeah um but they just got dropped from their teams like these guys they're they're, they're now the biggest two names in the league and they they I'm, I'm sure they'll they'll find a team again but the point is is like they currently can't even hold on to their teams or their teams don't want to play with them whatever it is um and the rest of the players don't have huge followings and it's hard for them to get huge followings when you know they might be swapping teams every year or they just might only be in the league for a couple of years um so you know that was a that was that was a long tangent but back to where we were originally about casting about e this is like an esports thing in general for me where basically there is a bit of a you know a market correction downturn in all of esports globally i feel um and i think the lcs being kind of downsized the way it has been is a bit of a been a bit of a wake-up call uh definitely for me but i think probably for a lot of casters out there as well it's like look you could make it to the promised land and still have everything taken away yeah it's well that's freelancing in general i wouldn't even say that's like commentary too right so it's sure. across the board it's yeah freelancing can be tough and especially in a uh, a bear market not not so great let's move on to something a little bit more positive i like look everybody loves talking shit and like <laughs> talking negatively about esports and how we're all gonna get fucked but like i want to you know that that kind of stuff i think at least over the last few weeks especially with the nft stuff it's like very easy to talk about like how depressing shit is right now um yeah so we'll 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 nip that one in the bud we'll put that cork in the bottle of that one and we'll put we'll throw that out to see real fast i want to know this is a this is a question i've asked a couple of people now but i think it's always really interesting to see um who's inspir who is people's who are people can i speak english do the do the words come out of my mouth uh who's your biggest inspiration it's interesting to always see different people's inspirations whether that's commentary whether that's you know, literally anything in their lives. Could be an artist if they're an artist. You know what I'm saying? Like, wh right. who is your biggest inspiration? It could be anybody in esports, to be fair, or like in regular sports or whatever. Like, who would you say your biggest inspiration is? Um, I'd say the three casters that have had the biggest influence on me in terms of like... Uh, let me extend that to four, actually. I would say now it's sure. probably closer to four. that have had the biggest inspiration on me in terms of like the level of quality that I aim to reach um, and deliver is in no particular order. It would be Papa Smithy, Deficio, Monte Cristo, and, and Henry G, those four guys. Okay. That's my uh, color cast of Mount Rushmore currently. Wow. Yeah, that, is a, that yeah. is a stacked list of like veteran talent, uh, color yeah. talent. Um, yeah, color casting talent. Wow. So when I was coming through, that those are kind of the guys I was looking at. Like, okay, well, you know, what kind of qualities do they have? What are they bringing to the broadcast? What kind of things are they saying? Why are they saying them? Yeah. Um, what are their styles and all that kind of stuff? Um, and of and, and of that, I've had the pleasure of meeting um, both Monty and Papa, which is really cool. 
and what else would I have been inspired by? I mean, there's a lot of great Playboy plays out there, but I, I, I would say that um, I hadn't as much luck towards Playboy plays for direct inspiration because it's not really my role. Reasonable, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I don't know if I would have been inspired necessarily by anyone else. I mean, I think we can leave it at that for now, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty... Uh, I mean, like I said, that's a lot of veteran, like, color casting talent, like, people that... A lot of people that kind of paved the way um, for for color commentary. I mean, huh. Monte Cristo, you know, you love him or you hate him. Like, he is a fantastic storyteller. Like, his color casting is extremely good. Papa Smithy as well is uh, phenomenal. He's very chill too. I've, I've yeah. hung out with Papa Smithy a couple of times. Like, he is nicest motherfucker around. Like, goddamn. He is, uh, yeah, it's insane how nice that man is. Seriously. I, like, I didn't know him personally but when the first time i went to korea um i met seth i remember the station and this and the exact exit i got out and saw seth first for the first time that sounds really weird it sounds like i'm in a relationship with seth like i oh i remember our first kiss you know what i'm saying like but i remember the exact kind of uh, exact station exact exit we got out and me and him went to for food and papa smithy joined us and i'm like holy shit it's papa smithy you know because yep. for me at that point i was like god damn like i was a noob like a complete like noob and i'm like holy shit and it's very strange you know because you're like i watch you all the fucking time and you know i'm no way near your level but then you know it's something we said i said in a different deep dive um everybody's everybody's just a person so yeah yep. it's it is funny it is funny how that works out i think it's interesting that you actually picked a lot of people from different games too um yeah a lot of different styles of color casting there yeah yeah, I think that's important because like there's there's something to learn from uh, all different people in terms of their backgrounds, their styles, and the games that they do. Because the different games demand different things out of them as well. So, yeah, a, a really good mix there. Um, and I would also say as well, like someone I didn't mention, but I probably should because my first ever esports broadcast that I remember seeing was back in two thousand and five still remember wcg 2005 suntech arena singapore i watched online through some i think i trolled through the team liquid forums back then you had to get some streaming link in like 360p from some forum <laughs> again no youtube um and it was uh starcraft was starcraft brood wars the big game i was into at, at that stage was the first like esport that i ever watched and kind of drew uh, brought me in and if whoever knows the history you'll know that the guy casting it back then was tasteless yeah he was he was the guy doing wcg uh for starcraft and um he and that was i think his first broadcast as well one of his first broadcasts was it was in that year doing the wcg stuff he was a player and he went from being a player to then jumping on a broadcast and the rest is history then eventually went to korea paved the way basically godfather of like doing english commentary in korea he was i think the first one there basically um, so. yeah and then everyone else came afterwards i mean i'll, I'll throw our toast our, our toasters in there as like a duo as in the taste toasters duo is iconic um but for me like i think one of the first voices i ever heard in esports was tasteless and he, he really did pave the way for a lot of esports um 
that feeling that you would describe about meeting Papa Smithy, I think that's kind of how I felt when I when I first met Texas. We were in the RGB bar, and he, oh yeah, walks in. And I'm like, holy shit, that's tasteless. Yeah, I, I remember no, telling Seth I really wanted to meet him. Dude, I love that man. He is so funny, dude. Tasteless is just. He's different, man. He is just such a funny motherfucker. Like, yeah. God damn. Yeah, yeah. Never yeah. forget so the face either. I think that face. was the only time, I think it was the only time I've been like, um, that was maybe like the second time I was like seriously starstruck. The first time was um, 2017 Santa Monica World Cup stage. I was on okay, the wow. committee for New Zealand, Team New Zealand. Um, where we got smashed by Jake's team there for uh, Team USA. He wasn't the one I was starstruck by. Uh, <laughs> Jake's cool. Jake's cool, but he's just a he guy. That cool. uh, no, the, <laughs> no, I was starstruck by Z. No, not by ZP. By Monty and Doa, because yeah. I'd also followed them for quite a while. You know, from the LCK stuff, champions back back whenever as well. So they were they were iconic to me. Um, and I kept the flowing dialogue afterwards as well, where Doa specifically gave me a lot of help. Like, seriously, like, that guy, I, I've said this to him multiple times, and I, I think I've probably said this publicly at least a couple times as well, but, like, he he is one of the dudes that has had, like, a major impact on my career to the point where, like, if I didn't meet him and I didn't continue a dialogue with him and get feedback from him and get help from him, I don't know that I'd be here, at least in the position I am today. So I, I do seriously owe like so much to Doa personally. Yeah, mad props. Yeah, it feels like everybody's got that one or two people, you know, that have impacted them a lot. And that's interesting that you uh, picked Doa. That's that's pretty awesome. That's uh, really cool. I kind of say the same, although I didn't really have a dialogue with Doa. It was more me watching him cast the Faker versus Ryu Z1v1 clip. And I, I, I've told this story many times <laughs> yeah. on my stream, but like that's how I got into commentary. If people ask me, how'd you get into commentary? I was like, I saw that clip from 2013 and i was like that's pretty cool i don't like doing my degree anymore maybe i'll try this yeah see what happens you know that's a it's that's one of the most iconic plays awesome. and calls of esports history it is it really is it's insane that that clip will go down in esports history even though like the evo the ryu one the ryu clip too oh man yeah dude i forgot his i feel so oh, bad what is it evo moment is a number but he parries the entire combo yeah, I think at Evo Moment 37, yeah, like yep. up there with clips in like esports history for yeah. sure. Um, but because Evo there's no casting behind it, it doesn't have that the extra thing added on. So I think for like a, a, a clip of like gameplay, it's like straight up there. Oh, it, no, that, that Evo time. Moment had casting on it. He's like, the full Sure, parry. because like. Doof, 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 doof. And he parries the whole combo. Like, it's crazy. I, it's just clout. It was just. Dude, it's just crowd fair, audio. Of the like crowd yelling, noise just know. takes over, to be fair. But, like, he's like, yeah. with the full power. There is casting to it, but, like, the crowd just goes fucking okay. ballistic. And, yeah, you can't really hear the, the casting at all. But there, there <laughs> is casting to it for, for 100% sure. Um, yeah. Wow, that's, yeah, cool. That's, um, yeah, biggest inspiration. I think it's really an interesting question because I think a lot of people have it uh, very differently. And, you know, depending on, like, when you came up as a commentator as well, like, uh, I think it's through the ages you kind of see who kind of inspired you and with players as well like obviously they're not going to look up to casters but they're going to look up to other players in the in the scene so i always find it interesting to see who kind of inspired you and yeah that's um so so good answer right uh, i think we're going to call it here avril is there anything you kind of want to shout out or anything like that i've got your i'll have your links down in the description below and your handle's been on screen but uh 
Anything you want to sign off with? Yeah, shout out to the Overwatch League for uh, definitely bringing Jaws and I back for the sixth season. Let's get it, baby. Let's, let's go. Let's get it. Let's get it done. This was recorded on the sixteenth of January, and we are we're technically not signed yet. Just uh, just to put that out there, the season has not begun. Uh, <laughs> like I said, this episode is going to come out in a couple of weeks, but foreshadowing, maybe. No, I hope it'll be a good season. No, I really do. Um, yeah. Because. You know, this will be the first season where we actually get to start on Overwatch 2 properly with ranked, with everything. Okay, yep. ranked might be a bit of a meme, but it's at least there. Basically, what I'm trying to say is we're not on some beta patch. We're not on some closed circuit that doesn't that the rest of the audience can't play. We get to start fresh and hopefully bring in some momentum from the end of the last season. That's the goal. That's the hope. So I'd like to see what we can do with that. People can play the game. That was a good final few words there, Avril. Thanks so much for watching, everybody, and all listening if you're on Spotify or Apple Music. Appreciate you all, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time.